2: Me me, 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 The arsonist had oddly shaped feet. Here we go. Welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast, brought to you by ShipStation and Roman, as well as Rotoviz Radio. My name is Dan Sanio, and I will be, you know, walking you down Dynasty Lane today, but I'm not here alone. No, no, no. I am here with my ever-so-lovely friend, Mr. Nathan Powell. Nathan,
1: how are we doing tonight? You know, you know, Dan, it's that time of year where you look at the standings and you got to look at it in the mirror and say, am I a playoff competitor? So uh, hopefully our takes can help, you know, mold that clay of information and give people what they need to decide if they're making a move to be win now or if they're packing it in for the season in week six. This is a
2: critical time. It's, it's we've kind of started up with it about week four. It's kind of when you can get an idea as to what your team's doing. But now by week six, you've kind of solidified whether you're going one way or the other. If you've got a three-and-three three team that's kind of just getting some schedule luck, you still might want to ship it. But if you're, you know, just playing a little bit from behind, you're scoring plenty of points, it might be time to to make some short-term moves to see if you can't get your get yourself in that playoff picture. But we've got plenty of topics today. And like Nathan said, hopefully some of it can help you get to your playoffs and hopefully get you a championship. Otherwise, maybe we can help you rebuild for the future. So, with that being said, let's start off with I think probably the big news of the week. Hunter Henry's back and put his put up quite the quite the stat line. Put through two touchdowns, kind of took over the entire offense if you will. Uh it it you know, it hurts with the running backs and it hurts Keenan Allen but here's this tight end at such a lousy position that all of a sudden puts out an eight for 102 stat line. And I mean, he just launched himself right back up into the top of the tight end setting there. So, Nathan, are we selling high on Hunter Henry after this massive performance? Do we think this is even moderately sustainable? You know, maybe cut a couple of receptions off and one and a half touchdowns from an average perspective, or is this a, his price is going to skyrocket. Let's move on.
1: So I think that this is a sell high in regards to the tight end position. I think that anytime you have the opportunity to sell a tight end high, especially a top five, top six valued tight end, that's a move I'm trying to make. Downgrade your top five, top six tight end, tight end to a lower lower tier, you know, tight end 12 to 15 and get a nice pick on top or, you know, another running back or wide receiver, which you'll end up needing more. But I do think if you're ta- we're talking strictly like, okay, I might, I want to acquire a tight end. I, I don't think that it's a terrible time to try and acquire him. I, normally you say, oh, after a huge game, you don't want to acquire a guy. But I think that this is just a sign of what we're going to see a lot of. Obviously, we're not going to see 102 touchdowns every game from Hunter Henry. But I think he's going to see a lot of volume in that offense. I think it's bad news for uh, Melvin Gordon in the passing game. I think it's bad news for uh, for uh, uh, Mike Williams more so than Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's going to get his number one wide receiver targets regardless. But... I do think that this shows that Hunter Henry is going to be a high volume target in 2019 and so if you're, if you're if you need a tight end right now I think it's worth checking the pulse of of the Hunter Henry owner to see is he you know valuing him as like a top tier tight end if so then you know don't bother but if he's valuing him as like a second you know second or third tier guy I do think that he might be worth you know like a late first early second
2: yeah, and you mentioned it potentially being a time to buy, and I know probably some folks listening might hear that and think, "Well, what do you mean? You just said it's potentially a sell high, His price is gonna skyrocket. Why would you wanna try to buy right now? Well, if you do have that owner that maybe isn't valuing him in those top four, five, six tight ends and still is relatively low on him and just ended up with a share, he's probably looking to sell and and he may be looking for more than he's expecting but that doesn't necessarily mean he's asking for more than what market says and and I think market at this point is probably going to get up to that tight end 4 or 5 because I, he was probably closer to the low end tight end 1 uh if I'm not mistaken so I feel like I feel like there's a there's a nice opportunity both ways here if you're not really a believer or are more scared off by the injuries or you just don't want to have that much value tied up into tight end and you can spread it around somewhere else I think now's a good time to to make those kind of moves. And maybe if it is a tight end premium league, or you you know, you don't have a tight end yet, or or you happen to like Hunter Henry, and now this kind of reassures you that he's going to be have a role in that offense and be pretty good, you probably can find someone trying to trade him. It it may not be in every league, but it, it never hurts to ask just to see kind of where the other owner is valuing him. So if you had to if you had to put him somewhere Right now, Nathan, are we are we putting him? St- so let's say Travis Kelsey, um, George Kittle, Zach Ertz. Do we have him close to that range, or would you still take all three of those at this point?
1: Uh, I, I do have Ingram over Ertz personally, okay. uh, but I mean I, I would say that Henry and I I, I said how scared I was about O.J. Howard a couple weeks ago, and I'm still pretty scared about it, and especially in the short term. So I, I do think that I do prefer O.J. Howard still long term. But if I'm winning, if I'm in a win now team, I, I, I'm fine sacrificing the future of O.J. Howard uh, for Henry. So that is kind of just a, a team based evaluation. But, yeah, I would say Henry is probably like tied in five, tied in six right now.
2: Sure. That makes sense. And, and I think he's probably right there with the guy that really doesn't get any love and has just put up consistent numbers of late. And that's Austin Hooper. I think I think Henry and Hooper are kind of one in the same. Uh, and probably probably rule that tight end five six zone in dynasty. So I think that's that's a pretty solid valuation. Uh, I'm comfortable there. So we can hop to our next topic. And I know Nathan, you just let's try to control ourselves a little bit here. I know you're excited. You wrote this one in all caps, but let's let's be civil. Don't rub it in anyone's face, particularly mine. Sam Darnold's back, and apparently he's going to maybe be able to control the the height of the flames in the dumpster fire, but he looked pretty okay. There was still a little bit of rust there, but made some big down-the-field throws. Uh, I don't think anyone can really cover Robbie Anderson for what that's worth, but Darnold's back and put up a nice stat line against a relatively stout Dallas team, and he got... You know, a few people involved. It was more top-heavy with Crowder and Robbie Anderson. Uh, but we will see this offense get Chris Herndon back. Demarius Thomas, or, you know, what used to be Demarius Thomas, seems to be doing okay. He's kind of a, a glorified tight end at this point. But he looked pretty darn good, considering a lot of people thought his career was over. So, Nathan, what are we doing with Sam Darnold at this point? I know he's probably on your buy list, but... Is there any concern for future or is this just the, the start of the rocket trending upwards?
1: Yeah, I went into this past weekend with very low expectations for Darnold just to not, you know, get myself too excited about the return, but also just to like brace for, it might be a slow comeback because the Jets' offense still isn't that good. You know, Crowder and, and Robbie Anderson is not the ideal one, two to a, you know, NFL offense. Uh, they do have Le'Veon Bell who hasn't, you know, been great, but it hasn't been terrible either so far. And with the jets, uh, but overall his performance in this week is very, very encouraging. I know that the Cowboys are up and down this year from, you know, being the best team in the NFL to being the worst, but my overall assessment on Darnold is that this is the start of a, at least a semi breakout. I do think that his options may limit his ceiling a little bit. He'll have the occasional, like, 220 yard one touchdown one interception game but i think we'll see a lot of what we saw you know uh this past weekend as well you know a couple th- uh you know 300 plus yard games few touchdowns so yeah i mean i don't i don't know if now is the time to buy because i do think I, i'll coming off the big game every everyone who has darnold is like me and is very excited about the future just off of that one game uh you you do kind of have to wait until the one like i mean He plays the best defense in the NFL on Monday night next week. Uh, So when you combine prime time with terrible matchup, now I will say this. If Sam Darnold has a big game on Monday, he's going to be like QB three in dynasty. So, (laughs) so if uh, you know, I'm, I'm circling back. I was going to say, wait to try and buy him after a bad Monday night performance. You can't do that because if he has a good Monday night performance, then it's over. Like the buy window is completely slammed shut. So, you know what, uh, put out some feelers. I don't think you're going to have much success, but do it before he uh, dominates the Patriots, which is going to happen.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know about that, but I will agree that it was a very promising return. And it, he looked he looked solid enough where I'm actually comfortable having him in that, that probably high-end QB2 range, especially when you consider his age. He's only 22. And what potentially could be that offense Um, I think the big takeaway for me here is buying Le'Veon Bell. I think a good Darnold only means good things for Le'Veon Bell. Now, that offensive line isn't the best thing in the universe. But when you have a passing attack that has to kind of keep the defense on their feet, that's going to help Le'Veon Bell in both the passing game and the rushing game. So I think we see a a slight trend upwards for Le'Veon Bell, too, as far as usage goes. And as far as production, uh, assuming Darnold continues his his at least decent to solid play, he doesn't necessarily have to be great every week. But I think this helps. uh, This helps Le'Veon Bell as well. So let's go kind of like we did with the tight ends and the Hunter Henry topic. Let's look at Darnold. Uh, October ADP has him in the QB 15 range, surrounded by Josh Allen and Daniel Jones. The guys in front of him are Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, and Jared Goff. Are any of those three guys you would take Darnold over?
1: So I spent the majority of the offseason trying to sell Cam Newton for Darnold plus in a super flex league. And I did that to no avail. Uh, And now I'm kind of wish and I I, was offered after I had bothered the guy enough. He's like, you know what, I'll do it straight up if you want to. And I just couldn't stomach that at that moment. But I, I think that today I, w- I would put darnold over cam i put darnold easily over winston i i don't we're officially at the point where winston is not guaranteed an nfl job next year i i thought that if even if he left the bucks and went to another team there was a good shot that he would be like the the leader in the clubhouse for a qb1 job now i think we're at the stage and i this was brought up in another form uh, another you know a podcast i was, I was listening to And I I think it's more likely he ends up on a team with an aging quarterback, whether it's a new England or a new Orleans or a a Pittsburgh or something like that to where he's not expected to be the starter in the short term. And he's kind of what Ryan Fitzpatrick was to him, which was the guy who brings a spark to the offense when there's an injury.
2: Sure. I, I mean, that makes, that makes all the sense in the world. Now just going back to the guys where he's, he's kind of sharing that spot with, would you prefer Josh Allen to Darnold or or potentially
1: Daniel Jones to Darnold? Darnold over Allen, Darnold over Jones, Darnold over Newton, Winston. Uh, Darnold over Ryan for sure. Goff, what, what's happening? Maybe that's – before we started talking, uh, I said I couldn't remember a, a stock down guy. I think that's who it was. It was Jared Goff has been absolutely miserable this year. Darnold or Goff right now?
2: Yeah, I think I'm I mean, they're at least a coin toss. I I don't I don't know that I would necessarily say one over the other, but yeah, that's that's definitely pushing and I think he's probably right in that QB eleven to I'm gonna stretch it out to like the fourteen range, and obviously ADP has him at fifteen, so that's not necessarily an incredibly hot take, but I'm definitely taking him over Winston. I think he's a coin toss with Goff and I still think I probably would prefer Cam but that's kind of where it's all jumbled that QB 10 to all the way down to like Brissett at QB 17. I think, I think you can kind of mix and match a lot of those guys and,
1: and they're all going to have relatively similar values. So that, that does seem high for Brissett. now that I'm looking at that. Like, yeah, I know the Colts gave him an extension, but I don't think he's any guaranteed any sort of long-term role in Indy. So I, I think that QB 17 above uh, Stafford Garoppolo, I mean, I guess it does get kind of gross quickly with quarterback. But that does, like, if I had Brissett, especially in a one quarterback league where it doesn't cost much to upgrade, I would put Brissett in, like, a late third for Daniel Jones or Brissett and a, a pick for for Darnold uh, if I had Brissett right now.
2: Well, there you go. Some good quarterback trading ideas if you're trying to upgrade or even make lateral moves and pick up some some draft capital for those rookie drafts coming on the other side of the new year. But we're not quite there yet. We're still talking about... Week six in the 2019 season. So, next topic is going to be somebody that's probably going to be bought mostly on teams competing in this 2019 season, not those rebuilders. That is, of course, Golden Tate, who last week looked, I mean, all but washed up to me, virtually shut down by the Minnesota Vikings, and then gets the New England Patriots. I'm kind of assuming it's going to look the same. And yes, his one big catch was pretty much a fluke because it was bobbled. It was batted by the defender. And thankfully he had the concentration to end up catching it and and bringing it all the way in for a a 60 plus yard score. So Golden Tate, New York football giants, obviously right now without Saquon Barkley, without Sterling Shepard, without Evan Engram, here's Golden Tate getting nine or 10 targets. Is this this has to be an obvious sell high, right?
1: It does, but I do think that you aren't really going to get much because I think that even the the buyers, uh, the contenders, are going to see that he was kind of taking advantage of the fact that there is nothing currently on that offense, and it will take some time for that whole offense to get healthy. But when it doesn't in three or four weeks, then I do think the golden take gets phased out into being you know, a number two wide receiver that gets, you know, six to seven targets game rather than that, they like guaranteed double digit targets. Uh, I, I think he's a fine buy. you know, Golden Tate throughout his career. I feel like ever since he went from Seattle to Detroit, he's been worth like an early second round pick. And uh, I, I don't think that you could buy him for cheaper than that right now, especially after that game. Maybe if you wait a couple games and, uh, you know, he has a couple clunkers, then maybe he's going to be worth like a late second. But my point is Golden Tate's been worth a second round pick for like a decade.
2: So uh, assuming you own Golden Tate, are you accepting any second that comes into your inbox right, th- right now today?
1: No. I mean, only if I'm a rebuilder and haven't, and, and I've exhausted all options. Uh, I would much rather, if, if if I'm in that situation, I'd be more likely looking to go like Golden Tate and two thirds for a first, uh, something along those lines, or Golden Tate for... uh. You know, I'm trying to think of like a upside wide receiver that hasn't popped yet. Golden Tate and something for Paris Campbell. Golden Tate and something for McCole Hardman.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Or even like a J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Yeah. Um. You know, something in that range. I think that makes a lot of sense too. I think, I think he's he's more of a sell than anything for me. Like I said last week, he just he didn't look like he he really had it anymore. And, and this week, um, he put up the numbers, but most of it was due to the fluke. So. I think I'm, I'm probably moving him at the valuation of really any second, unless I absolutely need him. And he needs to be in my starting lineup for the time being, because as soon as, as soon as that team gets healthy, he's going right back to fourth fiddle. He's going to be behind Barkley. He's going to be behind Engram. he's going to be behind Shepard. And even Darius Slayton has looked good of late. He's uh, obviously it wasn't all that efficient uh, on Thursday versus new England, but he was also drawing top coverage. So, uh, and the rookie the week before roasted Xavier Rhodes a few times against the Vikings so I think um I think Slayton picks up a, a small role in this offense and I think everything's just going to limit Tate enough where if you can get out now uh I'm probably doing it even if I am contending I, like I said unless I absolutely have to have him I just think you're probably losing out on value if you don't move him. Okay, before we slide to our next topic, just wanna talk to you guys about one of our sponsors. That would be ShipStation. You're selling stuff online, if you're an eBayer, any of that kind of stuff, having to deal with with shipping your stuff out is honestly a pain for the most part. And it's, it's time consuming. We all know it's expensive. That stuff costs so much, there's like 900 carriers to choose from you got to know you're making the best choice so that's why you go over to shipstation.com it's the fastest easiest and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders it helps you get your orders out quickly which is super super nice it saves you money on your shipping costs and it keeps your customers happy because if, if that's what you're doing if that's your business you're selling stuff on ebay you're you know selling some old stuff whatever it happens to be and you need to ship it out quick and fast you're gonna keep your customers by by keeping them happy with lower costs and getting it to them fast so no matter what you're selling whether it's on Amazon, whether it's on Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. It makes it all really easy to manage. Just from what I've seen, I, I've only used it once, but from what I've experienced, it's it's pretty damn awesome. And I only used it on my cell phone and the mobile portion is definitely good. It, it works, uh, works wonderfully. So it, it, ShipStation will go with any of your major carriers, USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So... You can compare and choose what the best option is for you as far as sending stuff out uh, and as far as what's available to your customer, because not everything's available everywhere. Obviously, uh, in these days, most things are available, but sometimes things aren't. And it's no wonder that ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers, because you'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, all, all of our listeners, are lovely, lovely Dynasty Tradecast listeners, whether it's on Rotoviz Radio or on this channel, you can try ShipStation for free. Yes, that's free for 60 days when you use the offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk, and you can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. Just make sure you go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in B-L-U-E blue. That's ShipStation.com, offer promo code blue. Make ship happen.
1: Whoa, getting a little spicy there. All right. You know what else is spicy? The Minnesota Vikings offense the last couple of weeks, I feel like that they were ridiculed and uh, Kirk Cousins was basically thrown into the trash can. Maybe he still belongs there, but <laughs> um, lately he, he's been getting a lot of criticism and he ha- has had a stellar uh, last two weeks. Uh, they scored 38 on the Eagles uh, last week, this past week, and 28 on the Giants the week before, so... After much criticism of the, the use of Stephon Diggs as he was trying to, you know, talk his way out of town. And Thielen was even trying to talk his way out of town for a little bit there. This offense has now come alive a little bit. Uh, what are your thoughts on this offense right now?
2: Well, I mentioned it in my my Twitter thread last week that we needed to see aggressive Kirk Cousins. We, we saw him a lot of the year last year. We saw those gaudy numbers that the wide receivers were able to put up. And it was aggressive Kirk Cousins, pushing the ball downfield, getting out of the pocket, making, you know, some more dangerous throws, if you will. This is what we've needed from Kirk Cousins in the Vikings offense. This Vikings offense is back to probably what everyone expected it to be. We're getting these, these big yardage outputs, Dalvin Cook's still putting up decent numbers. Obviously the Eagles uh, contained him a little bit this week, but that's a stellar run game. So, I think with Kirk being aggressive and and Zimmer allowing the offense to kind of make that move, I think both Diggs and Thielen, where you own them, are solid holds. But I still think there's a, a little bit of a window to buy Diggs because a lot of people are looking at this as kind of an outlier game. And yes, it's an outlier for the 2019 season, but we've seen Diggs just destroy defenses time and time again not to the tune of seven for 167 and three but we know what he can do we we've seen him when healthy be one of the best in the game so i think i think a lot of owners will be somewhat skeptical on whether or not this is sustainable and i guess obviously three touchdowns isn't sustainable but the numbers aren't all that outlandish for what he's capable of so i think we continue to see an aggressive minnesota vikings offense and aggressive Kirk Cousins. And if people are selling Thielen, whether it's due to age, for what odd reason, or or maybe that they're worried Diggs is taking back over as the wide receiver one, I want a piece of this offense. I think Cook's probably a little too far out there to go buy at a reasonable price, and Diggs and Thielen are probably going to be still kind of where they were priced last week or the last few weeks even, even though Thielen's kind of had a decent floor, Diggs's floor has been non-existent, so... Those are probably my main targets. I'm still a little skeptical of Kirk for the long term, though. So I think I think if there's something I'm fading in the offense, as silly as it sounds, it's probably Kirk just because we know that the Vikings can take him away in a given week.
1: Yeah, I, I do think that this is a bit of an awakening for Diggs and that he's going to be better the rest of the year than he was prior to this week. But I don't think that's necessarily a glowing recommendation. I think it just means that he was had a really bad start to the season, and I think that he's better than that. And so I think that he's going to be inconsistent still week to week because of the volume of the rushing offense. When you have a high-volume rushing offense carrying the ball you know, 25, 30 times a game, then that's going to lower the, the floor of the wide receivers. And I think Adam Thielen is the preferred target. And Diggs, I mean, as you can see with, with two 50-plus yard touchdowns, he was the deep target this past week. And I think that he is that in the offense and, and then Theo is more of the intermediate route guy. And so obviously the intermediate route guy is always going to get more targets. So I, I'm, I'm still trying to buy digs. I, I was trying to buy digs when his value was at rock bottom and I had no success. Like I grant, I, I sent out a bunch of offers, didn't receive a, a single counter. And so I always think that when, when, when we scream on Twitter, everyone's a, a player is a buy low that I'm like, no, they aren't because nobody's selling. But then I occasionally do see like uh, our boy, John Bosch was like, yeah, I sent an offer of a first round pick to digs in 87 leagues and five people accepted. And I'm like, <laughs> well, those five people aren't in my league.
2: Yeah. And volume offering, uh, you're bound to get something. I had similar, similar lowly success when sending offers. Uh, I think one, another one of the, the kind of surprising developments in the offense, and maybe it's not all that surprising. He did have one long run that that kind of set him up for a mediocre stat line. Is Alexander Madison, their third round pick? He's starting to look like he's maybe going to have a a mm, kind of a mediocre role within the offense. Now he's not he's not going to blow the doors off as a pass catcher or anything like that, but he's been pretty darn good in pass protection. And when they've given him the ball, he's he's looked explosive and at least mildly coherent out there. So I don't know that this is necessarily a Latavius Murray type type ad, but I could see Alexander Madison, you know, honestly taking eight to 10 carries a game and having a nice floor like that.
1: Yeah. And it may, it may not be Latavius Murray now, but I think that would come next year. I think that's his floor. I think being a, you know, one of the better RB twos in the NFL, um, you know, and as we have always talked about, our, Dalvin Cook is, very, is still a very high, high, volatile asset with, you know, his injuries and off the field stuff as well. So I, I'm still I've been trying to buy Madison basically since draft day, particularly in the last like two or so months. And I've, I've, I've been successful a few times, but I, I'm going to continue to be trying to buy basically until, until Cook gets hurt. Because when Cook gets hurt, then he's going to be worth like two firsts.
2: Yeah. And and then I think you see Amir Abdullah maybe take over a little bit of that passing game role. Um, But for those potential naysayers out there, Alexander Madison does have 48 carries through the first six games. Now, it doesn't seem like a ton, but when you take out the Chicago game where you only had two and they weren't running the ball at all, and you take away the four from Green Bay, because again, they were getting relatively shut down and they weren't all that successful. Talking about 42 over four games. So, i think I think there is a nice floor there. I think he's definitely worth buying in standard and half PPR leagues uh, assuming there are any standard leagues left. That's kind of where he's going to excel and I think actually has some decent flex uh appeal but like nathan said cooks cook's known to to get the injury bug. Uh, obviously, we wouldn't hope that on anyone but It happens. Injuries do happen, especially at the running back position. So if you can find your way. Especially
1: when you're getting like 25 carries a game, it's like, okay, one of those is going to turn into a torn (laughs) hamstring. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if you can get, if you can get Alexander Madison for a reasonable price, even if he's not starting for you, which he probably shouldn't be, but it's a good time to add someone like that who we can see is capable of, you know, leading an NFL team, at least on the ground and just, has a decent floor already I think now's a good time to go grab somebody like that
1: assuming you know your pick uh, what's the highest 2020 pick you would give for him I'd probably give like 210 okay yeah I I, I think that at the you you'd probably need to give like 207 ish at the early I mean at the at the latest in terms of like someone actually selling but if you can get uh, Madison for what looks like a playoff second that is a move I would definitely be willing to make right now for sure let's move on to our next offense which is the Arizona Cardinals uh this this offense has looked very similar week to week but it has run a bit hot and cold with you know how effective it has been and this past week was a hot week against the Atlanta Falcons the Battle of the Birds uh so this week kind of shows how good this offense can be when it's good and I think that's promising for Kyler Murray I think that shows why he should be a top eight dynasty quarterback right now and I think it's we're kind of waiting for I I think David Johnson actually had a big week this week so I was gonna say we're waiting for David Johnson blow up we're going to be seeing more of David Johnson blowing up if the Cardinals are gonna be as good as they were this past weekend
2: yeah and I think we've seen Kyler continue to build on some solid performances week three was probably his low point in the season against a very good Carolina team so I mean, we we get, we get Kyler on, like you said, highs and lows, but I feel like it's been more highs and and definitely the production has been there, whether it's with his arm or with his legs, he's got a a really nice built-in floor, it seems. And he's doing a lot of stuff that people were kind of saying he couldn't do. He's, he's pushing the ball downfield. He's squeezing it into tight windows and he's looking pretty darn good doing it. So I'm like, like Nathan said, I'm a fan of having Kyler definitely in the top 10 of your quarterbacks. I think you could make an argument to, to get him all the way up, even to like the six range. When we consider guys like Baker Mayfield, even Carson Wentz, who's been again, hot and cold. The old man, Aaron Rodgers, is up there. Uh, I think you definitely have to have Kyler in that probably seven, eight range for sure. But I could definitely understand an argument to have him higher and like Nathan mentioned, uh, David Johnson, who did have a little bit of an injury scare, but he he he's got the touches. Uh, he went he had 18, 18 touches for just over 100 yards and a couple of touchdowns this week. So that's that's kind of what we're looking for. Yeah, the rushing output isn't massive, but that's your I mean that's that's probably below floor. That's that's an outlier game in a game where they kind of had to be high flying and pass the ball a lot more because of what Atlanta can do f- from an offensive perspective and, and continually scoring points so knowing that David Johnson has that really really solid pass catching floor I think the offense as a whole is probably on the up and up
1: yeah and we just talked about Alexander Madison being a good stash I also think that Chase Edmonds is another guy I, I, I do think his value is even lower than the Madison I think you can get him for a third round pick in most leagues and I do think that he's, he's a nice investment right now, you know, just on the circumstance of being in a high, high volume offense and uh, you know, a guy who has had some injury history in front of him as well. So uh, that's my, my buy of the Cardinals offense would be Edmonds, but I do have another one as well. So I guess I'm buying a lot of the Cardinals. It would be Hakeem Butler uh, because now is the time to buy Hakeem Butler. When you try to buy Hakeem Butler in February or March or July, uh, the owner's going to say, I just waited a whole year to, to, for him to produce, and now I'm just going to give him to you? Like, no. Uh, the, the time to buy an ir rookie is during the season, because the, the, the guy who has him is like, oh, I could use some production. I could use, I can't even think, like, maybe if Deshaun Jackson gets healthy, like a Deshaun Jackson for a Hakeem Butler, or just any sort of, like, wide receiver three, wide receiver four veteran type. Uh, that's what I would be ch- trying to use in order to acquire Hakeem Butler, uh, and if that doesn't work, I would also be throwing out you know, a third-round pick or a third and a fourth. Um, I was skeptical of Butler uh, entering the NFL draft, and when he fall, fell to the fourth, I was pretty much all off of him. But I do think that he's still a, a good player. And, uh, for you know, you kind of do have to acknowledge when a large sector of Twitter loves a player enough to, like, some people had Key Butler, wide receiver one. And so on the off chance that those guys are kind of right, I want to be buying on Butler a little bit
2: i'm I'm not all that uh <laughs> i'm i mean i i don't think butler's a bad buy by any means, but leaning on twitter to be right about something is probably <laughs>
1: probably not where, where i'm uh i'm putting my money i mean i think the f- first pick of the fourth round is not terrible draft cap i mean it, it it's not really much draft capital, but it's not like you know cut worthy draft capital.
2: Oh, for sure. Uh, I think I think the other guy in the offense that is just not even being talked about is Andy Isabella, who does have the draft capital. And yes, he's been healthy enough to play, but I feel like this is, is kind of being used more as Larry Fitzgerald's farewell tour, and putting Isabella in and, and taking over that role isn't going to do a whole lot for Larry. So I think they're doing right by Fitzgerald, knowing that they're not going to go anywhere this season. And and maybe letting Isabella develop a little bit more and, and get everything healthy and right and seeing him maybe produce in 2020. So I think Isabella and Butler can both be had for relatively cheap. If you're looking for something a little more spendy uh, to try to try to put a little more capital into somebody that's going to get some output this year and in the future, I think Christian Kirk, while he's hurt, is a really nice buy. Uh, once he comes back, he'll probably be tough to buy once he's, He's meshing with Kyler Murray again, um, but he's he's had some decent games already this year. So I, I think that one can work out for short-term and long-term.
1: Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation, ongoing care for ED, and all the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is simple and straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to roman.com bluewire, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, and complete an online erectile dysfunction quiz. Go to roman.com bluewire to get a free online visit with free two-day shipping. That's Roman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. Roman.com slash BlueWire.
2: Okay, now that we've got that message to you, let's move on to one of our final topics, and that is the potential demise of the uh, oh-so-loved Aaron Rodgers. We have got to the point now where it seems like he just kind of picks two drives per game to all of a sudden turn into the best quarterback we've ever seen and spend the other three quarters of the game or more just being some dude. Uh, Obviously not having his number one pass catcher, Devontae Adams, or really anyone else of any worth out there uh, of late doesn't help. But we've always seen Aaron Rodgers as the guy who kind of escalates everybody else's game, throws players open, does all of those things and it just it, it seems like of late it's been a nonstop struggle and yeah you know mark has all those Scanling and and geronimo allison and alan lazard if you had to pick a bunch of targets out of a hat i'm guessing those probably would be the, the few that you'd pick and wouldn't be all that excited about so is it officially time to push rogers into the old man ranking and you know say he's washed or could be done soon or do we still have to kind of hold him in the high regard because of what he did four or five years ago
1: see the thing is is that we pushed manning and particularly brady into the old man dynasty category very early and too early especially with brady so i'm i'm hesitant to do that with rogers but the problem is that when Manning had his productive late years and when, and as Brady's been having his productive late years, like they do have some weapons, you know, usually, you know, Brady, obviously this year, it's been a bit of a mess with the whole Antonio Brown situation, but they did go out and spend a first round pick on Nikhil Harry to invest in him. So with the aging of Brady, hasn't just been Brady being good without any help. Like he has been getting some help with some weapons and Aaron Rodgers has not been getting that right now, especially with Devontae Adams hurt. So I know they've invested some later picks at the, at the position, uh, but I, I do feel like it might be time to spend a premium pick on a Aaron Rodgers receiving threat.
2: Yeah. And you know, with Devontae being out, it, you kind of, it is a more noticeable than it than it is when Devontae Adams is in there uh, because he, you know, he, he pretty consistently makes plays. And obviously with the, the running back, Committee that that they have that that takes a lot of the uh, a lot of the limelight at least from Dynasty Twitter or or football Twitter Uh, everybody wants to argue about Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones and and Aaron Rodgers you know shortcomings relatively speaking his shortcomings kind of just get pushed to the wayside so I think I think now is if there is a time to to maybe slide him down a little bit I think it's got to be now. I don't think we push him off into the abyss, into the the low end QB twos. You know your Breezes, your Rivers, your Brady's, your Bens. Um, we're not we're not at that stage yet. But I think I think he's at best a low end quarterback one. Um, when you consider he's probably damn near close to 10 years older than everyone else in that category, other than Ryan. But, yeah, other than like Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson, those are the only guys that are that are really even close. Everybody else is between 22 and 26 when we're talking about the, the you know the top tier of quarterbacks. So it, it's it's one of those things where where he's just he's got it one game or one half or one quarter and and he just doesn't the next. So I'm comfortable moving him down, but there's going to be those folks that are like panic dropping him and and pushing him way down. So I think if you are if you are competing or contending, I think it's probably a decent time to try to buy Rogers for what might be seen as a low ball offer, but people might be trying to cash out.
1: Yeah. And, and certainly as when we're talking about quarterbacks, it's more intriguing to talk about the, the super flex price tag. And I, I think that if you can go out and send it to first for Aaron Rodgers right now, I think that's a move that that is still worth making. I think this is his low water point. I, I do think that, You know, once Adams gets back healthy, then, you know, he's going to return to at the very least being, you know, like a mid QB one. It's kind of sad that you're like returning to be a mid QB one. You didn't expect to say that about Aaron Rodgers, but uh, (laughs) that's what you're kind of hoping for at this point. Uh, So, I mean, in in the short term, I think that he's, you know, a QB six to eight ish. And in the long term, you know, you just got to hope that they, they get some weapons around him.
2: Most definitely. He can't do it all by himself anymore. Okay, uh, let's talk about our last topic of today, tonight, whenever you're listening. We're gonna slide over to Kansas City and probably thinking we're gonna talk about Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Well, we're not. We're gonna talk about that little old backfield, that backfield that uh, has been touted, you know, from the Andy Reid perspective that it's always going to put up points. It's always going to be dynamic. It's, you know, it's gonna be an, an RB one of sorts well we've got a couple weeks in a row where the opposition has seemingly figured out a way to stop Patrick Mahomes and stop the Kansas City Chiefs offense and that's by making them one-dimensional Indianapolis Colts and Houston Texans have both taken away the running game from Kansas City and really limiting how they're using it and that's two straight losses for Kansas City I'm starting to worry a little bit uh obviously we're we're getting the later years of LaShawn McCoy who was obviously previously extremely good and elite we're getting a maybe not 100% Damien Williams and it's just not the the explosive all-around offense we were used to uh whether it was Kareem Hunt or really any of the other Andy Reid years and any of his running backs they always seem to put up big numbers week in and week out and I'm starting to think that the big committee move for these guys is, is maybe not the best way to go about it. It just doesn't seem like anybody can really get anything going. Are you doing anything with this Kansas city backfield? Are you buying in hopes of, of that return on, you know, probably what's a small investment right now, or are we just kind of fading and only leaning on the passing game?
1: Well, I hate to say we called it, Dan, but, uh, Upon the LaShawn McCoy signing, we kind of said, This isn't the death of Damian Williams, but this is going to be two running backs that are cannibalizing each other. And the only real way for them to be consistent on a week to week basis is touchdowns. Because if both of them are getting like 10 to 12 touches, you know, that's just not enough touches without the touchdown in order to be a weekly fantasy starter. And when it comes to having two fantasy relevant running backs, the only way for that to happen is if the team is putting up 500 yards or, you know, 30 plus points. And if Mahomes is not doing that, like he was in 2018, then, you know, that doesn't provide the space for two fantasy relevant running backs. So I think that they're both still startable when let's say you have like you're starting like six or seven RB wide receivers, but outside of like deeper starting lineups, then, you know, you really aren't comfortable starting them week to week basis and I don't. I I think that also the the ceiling is obviously lowered because the they're not having those big 45, 50 point games.
2: Yeah, I, I agree definitely with that. I think I think the ceiling is is nowhere near what potentially could have been, and the floor is still a little bit lower than what we would hope. I still see at this point LaShawn McCoy as the RB one A in the offense. I think Damian Williams can do enough, but like Nathan said, it's going to take big outings. It's going to take either blowouts or, you know, maybe them scoring 30 to 40 points, which was never really crazy to say previously, but it's starting to look like teams are figuring out the shtick a little bit and able to limit the offense, make it one dimensional. And if they're taking away one portion, the portion they're taking away is going to be the running game because you can't stop Mahomes, but you can contain him. And, and like I said before, the Colts and the Texans have kind of figured out, it looks like a, a little way to do that. So I think for the, for the time being, I'm probably fading basically all of the backs. If, if I were to be adding someone, even in deeper formats, I'm probably looking to Daryl Williams of all of the running backs on the team. I know people were we're really excited about like Darwin Thompson and and Damian Williams was getting way overdrafted all year. But I think Daryl Williams has some, some real PPR upside. I think he can do the kinds of things that like a Tariq Cohen can do. And he's looked fine doing it when, when we didn't have, or when Williams was hurt and William, Daryl Williams had to step in and for Damian, he did a really good job and he looked, he looked explosive. He looked good doing it. And obviously this game, he had a 52 yard catch. So we know we know he's capable in the passing game. He doesn't quite have the usage yet to establish that floor. But I think if we're looking to buy on the cheap, uh, especially in deep leagues, he's he's a good end of roster, end of bench type guy that's going to have some potential weeks where he's going to be possibly in your starting lineup because McCoy and Damian Williams don't really have the track record of healthy tailbacks. So we could see some see some decent return from him.
1: Yep, for sure. All right, before we wrap up for today, I want to remind you guys that you can uh, get a roto subscription by going to rotoviz.com slash radio, 10% off, and help support the pod. Gets you access to all of our awesome apps, all the awesome articles from both the Redraft, Dynasty, and DFS. So that's not both, that's all three, folks. So great articles from all the different types of fantasy that you can play, great apps, rotoviz.com slash radio for 10% off. And don't forget to support us on Patreon. We have a uh, Patreon.com/RotoViz gives you access to our RotoViz Slack channel. Dan and I hop in there occasionally. A lot of other writers are in there constantly. I, I'll give a shout out to Hassan Rahim. He is one of our buddies. He's been on the show a couple times, and that dude is always grinding on the Slack. Like he'll give, he'll have notifications, and i will be like telling everyone to go pick up whatever player just rose in value. So, uh. Obviously, that's good for me because I get that notification, but it should be good for you if you uh, join the Slack, patreon.com slash rotoviz, and then get access to the Slack. You'll get the great insights of Hassan Rahim and everybody else with rotoviz. And obviously, I, every, I, t- I forget every time I don't have it in front of me. What is the merch bonus, Dan?
2: So the $9 portion on Patreon gets you the access to all of that stuff. At the end of the year, you actually get some sick swag and i've had some really good stuff in the past for for any patrons that get in there we've seen zip ups uh, nice like zip up polos we've seen hoodies we've seen t-shirts we've seen all sorts of stuff so make sure you get in there whether it's 6 dollars 9 dollars whatever whatever you can uh, put forth that obviously helps us keep going and, and you know covers some some of the costs of taking care of this stuff and and like nathan mentioned that slack channel is awesome try to get in there as much as we can but Hassan definitely took the lead on that, and Hassan's a really, really smart dude, and, and uh, definitely going to learn a lot from him. Uh, but like I said, there's there's all sorts of people in there. I'm in there, Nathan's in there, and it's a good time. We like to we like to uh, dig a little deeper on the old Slack channel.
1: Alrighty, that'll do it for this week. Have a great week, Kadoosh.